Welcome to Genfluence, the home of intergenerational influence, with me, your host, Grace. Hello, guys, and welcome to another episode of Genfluence. I hope you guys are doing well having a wonderful start to the week and starting your week the right way with another episode of Genfluence. Before we get anywhere into this episode, I have to give an update. I have to explain my slight disappearance. I think disappearance sounds a little bit dramatic, but let's get into where I've been for the past couple of weeks. It's definitely been a minute since we last had an episode, since I last spoke to you guys. And I, for one, personally feel offended when a podcast that I really like just kind of goes away without any explanation. Um, That's happened before with Growing With The Flow, although there was an explanation in the end. Um, And a few other podcasts that I love, although people are human. But anyway, let's get into it. I had actually pre-recorded what would have been episode four so this episode of the podcast weeks before it was meant to be released I think I recorded the episode at the beginning of May because I knew that by the time the episode was meant to be released or a couple of weeks ago I knew that I wouldn't be able to record an episode then because I would be flying back home from the UK so that was the start of my summer break and so I was like I want to be a type a prepared girl plan prepared making sure that I'm consistently delivering and that was all good and well and I had it prepared but then on the plane back I was re-listening to the episode before I uploaded it just to check that it was all good and I realized on the plane that it felt like there was so much that I'd left out since recording it I definitely think I recorded the episode like I said it was weeks before maybe even to be fair a month before and I just felt like the grace from a month ago at that time and the grace that I was when I was listening to that episode were not the same person not to sound deeply profound but sometimes you can have a change of perspective within a month and I think that that was really what happened to me so I was like okay cool this is fine it's okay I can figure it out I'll just re-record it when I got home and I definitely think I'm on re-recording that episode for the seventh time was still counting and every time I re-recorded it I just wasn't 100% satisfied with it. I chatted to a lot of people in my circle, my friends, my family about the episode. And it's an episode that's actually been on my heart before I even ever had a podcast. Like something I journaled about before I even had a podcast. I just always knew I wanted to capture this episode. And I think what started to happen, the more and more I recorded it, is it started to feel very impersonal. And I feel like what would be the point of me having a podcast if something comes off impersonal? You guys could just read it off the news. So I was like really grappling with this because I was like, this is an episode that I want to share. But I was also like, I don't want to release something that feels half-hearted, not authentic, and not the way that I envisioned gentleness to be. But then I was also like, I can't just stop podcasting because I'm obsessing over this episode. I do think sometimes I I tend to be a perfectionist and that was when it all came to play. No excuses though. I've come back to it. Just a little update on my life. I am sorry for leaving you guys for this long and I will try to never take an unexpected break again, although life does happen. But yeah, I made the executive decision to just shelve that episode for a bit. I'm still reading on it deeply. I was reading 101 Essays That Will Change the Way You Think by Brown West. I've spoken about it on this podcast before. And I was doing a journaling exercise based on what the book wrote. And I feel like for the first time, I got closer to being able to accurately express what I want to say on that podcast. So that episode will come soon. But that is not today's episode. Before we get into today's episode, it wouldn't be Genfluence if we didn't have an influence of the week. And I can say that perhaps the only good thing to come out of having an unplanned break in this podcast series is that I've now got more than one influence of the week. If I had to go through all my influences of the week in the in-depth way that I do on each episode, 
the whole episode would be about my infants of the week. So I'm not going to go super in depth with each and every single one, but because I finished exams and I finished my first year in the UK, I'm now back home on summer break, although it is the winter here. So I mean, it it sounds a bit weird when I call it a summer break because people are like, it's cold. But I'm back home. I've had more time to read, listen, watch, which is fun. Always good. And also with the cases going up in Gauteng, I think I'll probably have a little bit more time to do all of that. So first and foremost, I, I cannot go any further into this episode without mentioning this. Olivia Rodrigo Sour. Okay, so I feel like when I say this now and this episode comes out in like June, it's going to sound like I came to the realization really late in life. But I have been listening to that album every single day since it came out. I I don't even know how to explain it. There's just something about playing Good For You every single day, raising up the volume and screaming out the lyrics that just makes me feel alive. Like, I don't even know Olivia Rodrigo, but whatever she puts in her music was exactly what I needed for my existence. But to be honest, I think that because this album is often closely associated with like teenage angst, like every single person who speaks about it speaks about feeling like that teenage angst that they had when they were younger. And it's also a lot of people associated with heartbreak. Sometimes I feel like because those two things are not really like where I'm at in my life, that I'm not meant to enjoy this album. But if we're being very honest, this album slaps. And I don't remember the last time I enjoyed an album this much. So Sawa is, is everything for me right now. I played every single day. Absolutely love it. And Mary Retta actually wrote a really good article that kind of helped me feel at ease about feeling weird for being a person who's not a teenager that loves Olivia Rodrigo. And she wrote an article called Olivia Rodrigo's Teenage Angst is not just for teenagers because it's not actually. I think it's a universal experience. Anyway, Mary Retta highlights that Rodrigo has managed to make the teen girl narratives legible to such a wide audience And that is both impressive and a testament to our specific cultural moment. At a time when many of us have been stripped of our mobility, personal freedoms, and economic stability, it makes sense that teenage angst hits different this year. I don't even want to say any more because Mary Retta said it the best way possible, but Olivia Rodrigo is really giving me a lot of life right now. I'm sure she's giving a lot of other people life right now. I honestly ask myself, how she made an album that good and I don't need this because that's not music I like would ordinarily listen to every single day I have my Taylor Swift moments although I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan um I love a good song that you can just like scream along to but there's something about Olivia Rodrigo the other day I was driving and I was like if Olivia Rodrigo had a concert best believe I'm flying out wherever it is I mean granted we're in a pandemic <laughs> the cases here are really high but I would go to an Olivia Rodrigo concert. Mine is the fact that I am 23 and she is a bit younger, but her music is universal. So who, we're all teenagers for a day when we listen to Olivia Rodrigo. Okay, so I, I just had to pause and take a little bit of a break there because now that I'm back home, I have to be very mindful of when I record. I don't think anyone would want to hear my brother screaming at the top of his lungs in this podcast. So I had to pause for a moment. But My next influence of the week is to do with Britney Spears' conservatorship case. And Emma Ackerman wrote a really good article titled Britney Spears' conservatorship case is a disability rights issue. And I think most people got to hear Britney Spears' testimony on Wednesday. And it is very clear that Britney Spears has been living under conservatorship that has robbed her of her happiness, her freedom to have another child and her ability to live a full life. And this was something that we heard during her court hearing. Emma Ackerman writes, Spears' comments on Wednesday triggered a deluge of support from disability rights advocates and attorneys who noted that the legal process in which it's determined that a person can't make decisions for themselves requiring an assigned conservator or legal guardian And this is often imposed on disabled people, depriving them of their civil rights. While conservatorship is meant to be used as a last ditch solution for a person who is truly incapable of making their own choices, that's not always the case. 
Sometimes people lose their rights when other alternatives are available, like supported decision-making or arrangements that give disabled people greater autonomy in their choices while receiving help from people that they trust. Depriving people of those more nuanced options can be hugely detrimental because once a conservatorship or guardianship agreement is in place, it's very hard to lift. And I think there's no doubt in the fact that that's true, given that she's been living under this agreement, I wouldn't even call it an agreement because it's not something that she agreed to. It's something that's clearly been oppressing her for over 13 years. That is a really long time to be under something that puts you through a great deal of pain that really limits a lot of the rights and freedoms that you have as a human being. There's a longstanding history of paternalistic abusive attitudes towards disabled people in the United States. This article was obviously written by someone who lives in the United States. I think that this is a global issue. It's not just something that happens in the United States. I think that there is this abusive attitude towards disabled people across the world. And I think that it's not enough to just have legislation that prevents this kind of abuse, but I think that more people need to be aware of it and actively stand up against it. I really think that if I spoke, if you only listened to me speak about it, you wouldn't be doing the case justice. I truly believe that everyone needs to take the time to go and listen to what Britney Spears said in her hearing. I, I personally really, really find it so disheartening, so sad. And I think as a law student, I do know that Britney Spears is not the only person. I do believe in the United States, there are over 1 million people living under conservatorship. I think across the globe, there's probably way more. But I definitely do think that this isn't something that can be brushed under the rug. And I think when we think about it in relation to Britney Spears, we also have to consider the fact that there are probably a whole lot more people who are living under the situation. And that isn't fair. And that's not okay. And I really, really hope, I think sometimes the one thing about being a law student is it can be really frustrating to sometimes not see justice being served in the way that it's meant to be served. But I really hope that in this case, justice will be served accordingly I think it's horrible that someone's had to live under such a situation to be very honest and I think that it's not something that should be spoken about once because as I said I doubt that Britney Spears is the only person who's been subject to such treatment under the guise of a conservatorship so coming on to things that I've been watching it's not even things it's one show that I've been watching since I came home that I loved also another influence of the week and probably the last influence of the week for this episode and I've been loving a show called Startup which basically tells the story of how three strangers come together and find themselves inextricably linked thanks to crooked offshore deals and a new cryptocurrency startup. I don't want to ruin it. I think anyone who would be interested in it should definitely check it out. I've absolutely loved it. Um, sometimes it can um, get me to the edge of my seat and it does induce my anxiety a little bit but the storyline is great. And for anyone looking for a new show, I think Startup is really, it's been fun. I've been loving it. And those are all of my recommendations for Infants of the Week. I will list all of the links in the show notes below. So definitely check that out. But coming to today's episode, which I, this is another episode that's been on my heart for a really long time, but this is one that you guys actually get to hear today. And I get to speak to a really dear friend of mine, an innovator someone changing the world of influencer marketing. And this week's guest is Ashley Edwards. She is a Lysoff fashion buying and merchandising graduate. And she is the current CEO of Block 13 Agency. I feel like you might have been living under the rock if you have not heard of Block 13. I literally see so many people tagging them on my Instagram feed. So this was a really, really exciting interview for me to do. Ashley is fixated with the new and evolving digital and social media industry and Block 13 Agency has been a great way for her to begin her career in the industry that she thrives in the most while still involving her passion for fashion. For as long as I've known Ashley, she's absolutely always loved fashion, always been on trend, always been ahead of the trend. So we speak a little bit about that in this episode. Before we get into this episode, if you are a new listener or a returning member of the Gen Friends community, please remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or press follow on Spotify. And if you find yourself coming back week after week, loving the interviews and guests that we bring on, and if you just love the Gen Friends podcast, then please 
take the time to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It helps us share our Genfluence community all around the world and to find more people like you who would love to listen to us exploring intergenerational influence. So I know we were gone for a while, but now we're back and we're back better than ever. And I hope that you guys love this interview as much as I did. Ashley and I speak a lot about her journey as a person, but also the rise of Block 13, what the local influencer landscape looks like in South Africa. And that was really important to me because I think a lot of the time when we have conversations about influencers, we tend to focus on the US or the UK. And in this episode, we think we bring things back a little closer to home. We also speak about fashion trends and influencer culture and her entrepreneurial journey, what it means for her to be a CEO at a young age and what her vision is for the future of influencer marketing in South Africa. I can't wait for you guys to hear this. I'm really excited for this to be the episode that I come back with. Genfluence, here is yet another episode with Ashley Edwards from Block 13. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Genfluence. We're really, really excited for this episode as we get to speak to the CEO of Block 13, Ashley Edwards. Before we get into it, Ashley, thank you so much for coming here. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do? I'm Ashley, and I am the CEO of Block 13 Agency. And basically, I was born and bred in Joburg. And then I went to school in Hilton, in KZN, and that is where I'm Grace. Basically, I went to school there, and after high school, I honestly had the biggest passion for fashion. So I went to study at Lassoff. I studied a BA degree in buying and merchandising, and it was for three years. I really enjoyed it. And then after that, I went into a job being a buyer, obviously in fashion, and then from there, I went to Block 13 Agency. That sounds really, really exciting, Ashley, and we can't wait to hear more about you and your journey. Before we get into the big part of the interview, we have something called Influence of the Week, where we like to know what is one thing that you've listened to, watched, or read this week that you are absolutely obsessed with? To be honest, I love reality TV shows, so <laughs> I actually watched um, the Kardashian interview on TV part one, which was really cool. So yeah, that was I was really interested in that. I also got a chance to watch that and it was certainly very exciting. And so we like to get to know our speakers a little bit more intimately. And so we've got some rapid fire questions for you. Very quick questions. The first thing that comes to your head is the answer that we'd like you to share. So okay. the first question is TikTok or Instagram? Instagram. What is your favorite yeah. global brand? If you could pick one, or you can give us three. <laughs> okay, three. I'll give you three. Opali, Fashion Over, Pretty Little Thing. And this is a bit of a longer question, but what would your perfect day look like? My perfect day would be wake up, have a healthy breakfast, go to the gym, come home, do some emails, work, and then, yeah, just relax, watch TV, and be at home in my sweats, to be honest. <laughs> We love a CEO who can strike a balance between work and relaxing. And so yeah. now coming onto your journey and the rise of Block 13, were you always interested in the world of marketing and influencing before coming to Block 13? And how did it all start? So during school, I was always like, I always loved Instagram, to be honest. I did have quite a big following in school. And then I kind of like went away from Instagram at a time. Like I didn't really post as much and I just lost a bit of interest and while I was studying I gained it again my best friend at the time was an influencer so I mean I knew quite a lot about the influencer world from her kind of knew how it worked and so what happened how how it all started was I was working as a fashion buyer for a company and Block 13 had reached out to me from my influencer friend and that said to me, oh, we're looking for people, for more staff. So when I started at Block 13, I was an influencer outreach manager. So what I had to do is I had to look for influencers. I had to communicate with brands. Um, I was doing, actually, I was actually doing quite a lot when I first started. 
And then from there, I just grew a lot and I became a manager and a CEO. But it all started because I did really love fashion and I did really love, I always loved Instagram, not so much TikTok, but now I actually really love TikTok and YouTube, actually. I want to actually start a YouTube channel. But yeah, so I did really, I did start off on Instagram and loving Instagram when it first started. I will definitely admit that I learned a lot about influencing from you first, even if you didn't consider yourself quite the influencer then. And I think it's amazing to see how far your journey has come. I think you do have a really interesting perspective because you do understand the perspective of influencing from a personal view, um, whether it's having a best friend who is an influencer or also being able to influence people yourself. And now you get to manage influencers. So I think you have a really, really great perspective of the industry as a whole. I think you guys do really well at influencer marketing. It's not generic. It's not boring. I think it's actually quite exciting and not enough agencies in South Africa are doing it the way that you guys do it. So can you share a little bit about what Block 13 does and how you guys do influencer marketing differently? Block 13 agency, um, it actually started in the UK. It started as an agency and we were all working from home. And then we decided to open a showroom in South Africa. So a showroom has never been, it's never been a thing here. No one's really ever done it. It's not a thing in LA even, to be honest. So we decided to open a showroom. And basically what our showroom does is we have brands in our showroom. So at the moment we have Pretty Little Thing. We have a brand called Just Hype. And then we have some local brands. We have a shoe brand called Silver Lux and Adore Couture. And I think Wildcats are also coming into our, into our showroom. So it's really cool. So basically what, what we do is we have local influencers come into our showroom, collect product, create content, post. So that's really kind of what makes us different in South Africa is no one really has what we have. We also have a lot of good relationships. So with us is as an agency, we create relationships, relationships with the influencers. So we have, um, we have macro influencers, micro influencers. And what I love about our agency is there's no stereotypical influencer. Anyone and everyone can be an influencer in their own way. We have kid, kids that are influencers, male influencers, female influencers. We have plus size. We have every, like everyone can be an influencer to themselves, if that makes sense. So I think that is really what makes us different. Um, we also have really good relationships with our brands. Um, and brands are starting to trust us more, um, well, the South African market more, not really us, but the South African market, because in the beginning, it was as a South African influencer, it was really hard to get these brands because, I mean, getting pretty little thing in South Africa is, you know, like they don't really trust our market in buying their stuff. But it has, like, our agency has made people come to us and be like, hey, can we collab with you guys? Um, can we come to your showroom? Let's create content. What our showroom also does is we have an in-house photographer. So, I mean, an influencer can come in, um, get products, also get their um, pictures taken. So I just think that that makes us really unique compared to other agencies. Other agencies also kind of more focus on models. Um, I don't know if you know, there's a lot of model agencies in South Africa and modeling has really like become so redundant, you know. Um, no one's really interested in models anymore. Everyone's interested in influencers. So I really think that that is what we what we have that's different to other agencies here. I definitely agree with you. And I think I love the fact that there's a lot of diversity when it comes to people who interact with Block 13. I see a lot of different influencers who I necessarily, they don't necessarily do the same thing, but I can always see them at block 13, which is really exciting because I think that that makes influencing seem a little bit more accessible, which is something that people have um, struggled with when it comes to the accessibility of influencer culture. And so I want to touch on a point that you raise um, and kind of move on to fashion trends and influencer culture. Block 13 does help a lot of influencers get access to brands that I would call administratively difficult to get to South Africa. So as someone who lives in the UK, I can get pretty little thing in a day, sometimes in, on the same day, really. Um, but a lot of people who would purchase these brands have to pay customs first and all of that that comes with South African marketing. But I think with Block 13, we get to see a lot of influencers wearing it more. Um, it feels like the brand is coming more to South Africa. 
What was your reasoning? Um, well, what was Block 13's reasoning behind getting international brands to come into South Africa at a time where it was really difficult for people to get access to them? I think it, I mean, when everyone's on Instagram, they can see um, influencers wearing pillow thing, Fashion Nova, um, Opali, and it's just like, we just look up to that as an influencer, you know. So getting those brands to South Africa, we we obviously had a relationship with them before. And we said, you know what, let's try out the South African market. Because how Instagram works is if you're in South Africa, it doesn't mean that you just have South African followers. So I have a lot of macro influencers who majority of their followers could be the US, could be UK, could be um, Europe. So ne- living in South Africa doesn't necessarily mean that you, your followers are South African. So that's just giving the South African market more of an opportunity to promote these brands because none of those brands use traditional media anymore. Everything is on social media. I also think one thing that I've realized is it does give South Africans more of a global reach, which is really important. Um, and it yeah. helps us to stay in tune with global trends. In your opinion, yeah. how has social media and influencer culture impacted the way that people consume fashion? You spoke a bit about how models have become redundant. And I always say that social media has put power back into our hands. We get to dictate trends. Um, but in your opinion, what do you feel social media and influencer culture has done for fashion? So it's just given more reach, to be honest, because I mean, as a fashion brand, you spend most of your money on influencers now. There's no TV adverts. There's not really any newspaper articles on the radio. Everything has moved into influencers. And an influencer, an influencer wearing the same top could be so different to another influencer wearing the same top. So it just gives a different perspective on how to wear the outfit, on what the outfit looks on different types of people, how, how you can style it. It just gives people a different perspective into how onto how to wear the outfit, if that makes sense. So, for example, if I get a jersey from Pretty Little Thing, it will look way different on me than it would look to another influencer. So I think that it also helps the fashion industry portray their brands in a different I mean portray their outfits in a different way if that makes sense so I think it's just the way that people are wearing the clothes that people are promoting the clothes I think that's really cool and I think that the brands by using influencers can make the brands not have a a stereotype really yeah I definitely think it does make clothing seem a lot more accessible um I think the way that influencer marketing was previously well not actually influencer marketing but with models, there was always one type of model. And I think that influencer culture has opened up to various people. And that means you're more represented. So if I see someone who looks like me wearing something from Pretty Little Thing, I might feel like, oh, I'm represented and I can wear that as opposed to if they just had one standard model that did not look anything like me. So I do definitely agree with what you've said. At GenFriends, we recently did an episode on the way that people consume fashion and how mm-hmm. our consumption of fashion is is often influenced by influencers and sometimes we may buy clothing because we see influencers wearing it as someone who has who is an influence and also manages influencers and loves fashion do you think that influencer culture and social media can coexist with people becoming more conscious about the way that they shop and in your opinion do you think that these two things can coexist um a hundred percent i do i think that Brands are looking towards more of a social, I mean, more of a conscious, environmentally friendly way of creating their clothes. Um, there's more basics, which basics honestly help with um, with your cupboard, honestly, because you can wear that that basic white tee with a pair of jeans, with a skirt, with, you know, you can, you can basically mix more clothes up. So I think that the colorways of fashion and the more basic things are coming um, into account now, like, for example, obviously, if you're doing fast fashion, you're not really, it's not really going to be conscious, but you as a person can be conscious shopping at a fast fashion, um, at a fast fashion brand, you can buy more things that you can wear more often. I do think brands are looking into that. I do have a few influencers who won't um, wear fast fashion brands and who are more conscious. We have a, a few brands that have reached out to us and we are working with them um, that are more eco-friendly and environmentally friendly. I think that you touched on something that's really important and it's something that we have shared on the podcast. I think um, even with people becoming more environmentally conscious, which is important, we need to save the planet. I do think that 
not everyone can afford to always purchase things that are seen as sustainable or come from an eco-friendly brand. And therefore, it's important to remember that you can still be sustainable with fast fashion if you choose to buy something, like you said, like a basic that will last in your cupboard for a long time. That in itself is still environmentally better than you buying something, wearing it once and never wearing it again. And so coming on to influencer marketing and the process behind it, I think that initially when influencer marketing touched South Africa, a lot of brands saw it as an instructive process. So they would instruct influencers, I want you to do this, I want to see this, and never really give influencers a chance to speak. However, I think that Block 13 has embraced the notion of influencer as a co-creative process and allowing influencers to have their own creative freedom when they promote brands. As the CEO of Block 13, what do you think is the importance of creative freedom for influencers? So a lot of my influencers honestly are are organic. So whenever we give them clothes or whenever we get them deals, we actually want them to be organic and to be and to not make it look like an advert. Because I know a lot of brands locally can make that happen. I mean, they can say you will say this, you will do this, you will wear this. And that isn't how influencer marketing should be. Influencer marketing should follow your your profile or your exactly what you believe in. And I think that Block 13 really does portray that and really does try and push organic um, content out because I mean, otherwise it looks like an advert and we don't want that. We, we don't want that for the influencers and to be seen as that type of agency. So we love it when influencers are themselves and I mean, everyone is so different, like I said, and we love that. We love that everyone has their own their own vibe and their own page and their own, you know, that they just have to be themselves. And that's what we really stand for. Influencers are the creative people. And the reason they have many followers is because people like their vibe. So I'm always happy when I see an influencer promote things in their own way, as opposed to if I can see that, like, because you can, I think brands can't tell that you can see if someone someone is promoting something in a way that's not organic. Um, and that's why I think that it's really fun to see the influences that come through Block 13 and to see what they create. Coming on to you as a CEO at such a young age, I would love to chat to you about this because it's been nice to see how you've grown um, in your journey and also being able to be your own boss at such a young age. Um, I think the really nice fun thing about you is you don't only get to look at influencer trends from a distance, but you have experience as an influencer And now as a young CEO, you actually get to manage influencers who are sometimes even older than you a lot of the time, actually, or your own age. So I want to know from you, what is it like being a young CEO in South Africa? So in terms of having a team, obviously, we have quite a big team. Um, It is at times challenging, but it's a good it's a good thing. It's good to challenge yourself. And I mean, I've always had a managerial like what can I say, personality, you know, like I'm always in bossy, I've always been, you know, and I mean, I think managing a team is really cool. Um, our team is quite young. So in terms of man- being a CEO in in the agency um, with the team, it's not like necessarily that challenging because I mean, everyone is my age. And to be honest, we all work as a team. We all do very different things. So it's that in terms of that, it's quite manageable. Um, but being the CEO of, of, I mean, managing influencers, it is at times challenging because you, you have to be, at all times, everyone needs to respect each other, you know. And I think that being a CEO in a company in this type of industry isn't as challenging as it would be in a, you know, a corporate vibe. It's very open. Everyone's very, very happy. I mean, people come to me with with a lot of challenges, which are, obviously help them overcome, especially influencers. So, I mean, I do think it is at times challenging, but it is also a good challenge, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I definitely think you are the person for it. I mean, as someone who has grown up watching you, I think you make a great CEO. And I actually really want to know, and a lot of people ask this as well, as the CEO of Block 13, what does your job entail of? I think we get to see as outsiders the influencers who wear the clothes or come to your showroom and the showroom is, you know, it's wonderful and pretty and they create really nice content. But there is a lot that goes into a CEO that we don't actually get to see. So can you share with us a little bit about what your job actually entails of? Okay, so basically I 
manage a team. So I need to make sure that the team are doing all their tasks. Um, everyone has different tasks, obviously. So I have to make sure that when we get a, a new client, um, which is a brand, we obviously are servicing to them, servicing, um, giving them a good service. And basically what I do is every morning I go, I get to get to work, tell, like give tasks to my team. I sit down and I, ha- I do all my emails. So I still also close deals. Um, I don't only, I don't only manage, but I also do the work myself. So what I do is I go through all of our new influencers, make sure that they um, are getting pitched to all of our brands, make sure that our brands know about our influencers. Um, I'm also on the block 13 page. So I'm making sure that all DMs are answered. I'm making sure that we're posting people. I'm making sure that we are, you know, servicing our influencers to the best of our ability, as well as managing the brand. So it is quite a lot. I kind of do everything, to be honest. Um, Even though I am the manager, I still have to do all the work. Um, but, But I have a great team. My team make sure that they are always um busy doing something we also have retainers in our business we also have block 13 ent um and we have we are are starting to do properties now and so i just do uh, there's so much happening to be honest i can't even tell you what i do because i kind of you know i tap into everything but i do have a really strong team and they are also there to help you know and they also everyone has their own individual job to do we just need to make sure that all of our influencers are happy all of the brands are happy Oftentimes, we only get to see the glamorous parts. So I think it is really important for people to hear just how much work goes into running a business and being a CEO. On your influence, we also like to focus on the influences behind your life and your successes. So as a CEO and the way that you manage a business now, who do you think was the most influential person in inspiring you to become a CEO or inspiring you to do what you do today? I would say definitely my mom. My mom has always been a hard worker. Um, she's been a single mom and she's worked my whole life. So I've honestly like just seen that and just been so inspired by her to get up every morning, make sure I work hard, make sure, you know, like I'm doing my job properly. Um, Cause she always used to work from home. So I always used to sit and watch her work and just be like, wow, I just want to be a hard worker like that. So I do think that I get that trait from my mom. That is 100% true. I didn't want to be the one to say it, so I'm glad you did. But I think also as someone who got to watch your mom, sometimes when I come and see you on weekends, I think your mom is one of the most inspiring women I know. And I think it's so lovely to see how you've turned out as a CEO as well. Can you tell us your favorite part of being a CEO and perhaps the most challenging part of running a business? Um, so definitely my favorite part is obviously making the relationships I have now with the brands and with the influencers. Um, it's so crazy how I have friends that I've actually never met and they're all influencers. I have friends that are, that are working at the brand. So it is, that is honestly my favorite part is the relationships I have with the people I work with, as well as my team. I love my team. Um, also the founder, I have a superior to, and he is the best. Honestly, I have the best relationship with him. So on, like, I just love the relationships I have with everyone. It's all positive energy. Um, we all get along very well. And the most challenging thing I think would be, you know, being young and also not, you know, like putting my all into this business. You do lose a lot of people in your life because people start saying, oh, why aren't you seeing me as much? Why aren't you going out as much? You know, so you also need to, I mean, it's very hard to balance your life when you are CEO. Um, I'm always working. I'm never really relaxing. Or when I go on holiday, I'm always like on my phone. But that is also a really cool thing about being a CEO of such a diverse company is that you can actually work from your phone. You can be sitting at a restaurant, but you can still be working. Um so yeah, that's what I really do think is a positive and, you know, the more challenging side of being being a young CEO. That is That does definitely sound really, really exciting. Before we wrap up this interview, I'd like us to come to the local influencer landscape. I think very often when we focus on influencing, because it's something that we did see or we have grown up seeing a lot in countries like the UK, the US, um, more Western yeah. countries, I tend to think the conversation is very wrapped up around those countries. But I do think that South Africa and African countries have great, great potential. We have some of the most incredible creatives and people who want to be influencers. So 
I do want to ask in a country that has one of the highest youth unemployment rates in the world. Recently, we were told that South Africa's um, youth unemployment rate is 70%. A lot of young people are now aspiring to not only run their own businesses, but also become influencers as more and more people begin to see it as a sustainable full-time career. There are still a lot of people who are skeptical about this, who are skeptical about how successful one can be. And so I want to ask as the CEO of Block 13, how how would you tell people who are skeptical about influencing as a full-time career that it is possible for someone to become a full-time influencer and how can someone make a sustainable full-time influencing career so i do think you have to start out um by still having another job if that makes sense um but at the same time your passion honestly shows through your page on Instagram. So you can see someone who's passionate about it. You can see someone who's organic about it. And you can honestly be an influencer for anything. That's a that's a beauty of the influencer industries. You can be an influencer for whatever you are passionate about. So I really do think that if you want to be an influencer, you should definitely try, try it out. Um, the local influencer market is growing a lot and it's growing fast. So I do think that there is a lot of opportunity coming coming our way in the influencer industry in South Africa. Um, a lot of corporates, a lot of banks, a lot of service providers are starting to grasp the influencer industry and start using influencers. I mean, we just did a an NTN ad, we did a Spotify ad, and that's all through TikTok, all through Twitter, all through Instagram, YouTube. So honestly, if you are wanting to be an influencer, I do think you have to start out from somewhere, you know, um, start out, try it out, see if it is for you. I mean, influencing isn't for everyone. You have to be, you have to be really passionate about what you are trying to influence and what you are trying to get out to your, to your um, followers, I guess. But I mean, everyone can be whatever they want, you know, like if you put your heart to it and you want to be something, I do think that you can, you can make it. How does Block 13 help influencers propel their careers? And specifically, as a CEO, what would you say are the benefits of someone working with Block 13 as opposed to someone trying to manage themselves and get those deals on their own? So really what our showroom is about is that it's about inviting people who are micro-influencers from 10,000 and above. And micro-influencers also come in and collect product. Um, you can literally collect anything you like. Um, you come in and if you if you want to promote a pair of jeans or if you want to wear a sports top, if you want, it just depends on what you like. And basically you just post it, create content. We also have an in-house photographer that will help you um, take pictures. So if you come in, you get some product, you wear it, and a, a photographer can take pictures of you on the day and then you post it and get the content out I do think it is difficult in South Africa because of locations I mean if you think about it in the UK you walk out your apartment and you can take a picture on the road um in South Africa it's not really as easy to do that especially in Joburg um so yeah I definitely think that being managed by us will help you get more exposure um, we do repost people on our page. We try and push them to every brand. So if you are signed to us, you, you do become a priority. Um, I get a lot of DMs asking, oh, can I please be part of Block 13 Agency? And we really do try and look at everyone's page and we really do, do try and see what we can do for you. Um, obviously, we can't manage everyone. And obviously, we can only manage people that we think that our brands would like, because if we manage someone and we don't get them brands, it's doing a disservice to them. So being signed by us will really help you get more exposure. We have a lot of brands, South African brands now that are coming to us and saying, hey, we've seen your agency. Can you please send us a roster who you have? And that is also a way to get out because we we um we send them, we obviously put all of our VIPs and our people who are assigned to us on a roster and we send that out. We do newsletters. So being a part of Block and Agency will help you grow and it will help you get more exposure. Um, so yeah, I think that's why we are very unique and why people should sign to us. I definitely, if I was an influencer, I would sign to Block 13. I just think it looks like a lot of fun. It is a lot of hard work, which is what I think people don't realize a lot of the time. But for those who have hopes and dreams and want to become someone who propels their influencer career, I would definitely check out Block 13. Can you tell us how someone becomes a Block 13 influencer? So what we do is we kind of do um, a 
a check on their page if that makes sense so if someone dms me i'll go into their page i'll look at their following i'll look if the engagement matches their following because obviously if you have a high following your your likes and your comments and your views or whatever needs to match that um that following so i think brands really do look at engagement a lot um and it's also all about content, to be honest. Like, if you have good content, if you really are organic and you're showing exactly what you love and you're passionate about, we love we love those type of influencers. Um, so we definitely do try and and make you know and try and sign a lot of um, influencers in South Africa. We do exclusive and non-exclusive. So, I mean, we are we offer a lot of options if you're one of our influencers, and we just try and you know get you guys deals and try and help you and try to grow you we also give good advice so if I can see someone doing something that I think they could do better at I'll message them and be like hey um why don't you try to do this or why don't you try not use this filter you know so there's a lot of like advice we also give our influencers I Mm -hmm. want us to dispel a myth which I feel like everyone knows is a myth but there are people out there who think that to become an influencer you need to be a person with a million followers and a million likes and that's it and what I think that that creates is sometimes people end up buying followers or buying likes so as mm-hmm. the CEO of blog 13 can you tell us do brands see when influencers pay for likes because I think a lot of people think they don't and that is not necessarily <laughs> true no a hundred percent a brand knows if an influencer buys followers a hundred percent so there you guys have it I think what you are saying is really true about people having a passion for something. And I think, unfortunately, I think we have like a gamification of our lives where um, just because of the rise of social media and how often we use social media, um, our lives kind of become a numbers game. And some people want to skip to the part where they are the influencer without necessarily putting in the work. But I do agree with you when you say that Block 13 looks at people who have a passion for being influencers who actually create good content. So it's not just about having the numbers. Also, people can see if you're passionate about something and people can see if you produce good quality work. And so the last question would be, as someone who is really part of propelling the future of influencer marketing in South Africa, what are some trends that you see in our influencer space that you are excited about? Really that brands are more open to influencers, not just brands, but corporates, banks, service providers, they're all open to influencers. And that just makes me so excited because I mean, you know, in the Western world, a lot of a lot of that have a, has already adapted. So a lot of banks already use influencers. A lot of um, service providers already use influencers. And I just think in South Africa it wasn't really um, it wasn't really a thing. But now it is a known thing. And we have a lot of corporates and banks and you know those those types of companies reaching out and saying, hey guys, can you please explain, you know, explain the influencer marketing um, world. Can you tell us why you think that it would be, like would benefit us? And I honestly think that that is a really cool thing that's happening in South Africa is that a lot of more um, corporates are using influencers. And as well as a lot of more people are understanding the influencer, influencer industry. I mean, in South Africa, I'm sure you know that the elderly don't really understand why why someone would want to quit their job and become an influencer or why someone loves Instagram or TikTok or YouTube so much. And I just think that a lot of the elderly are adapting to the influencer um, marketing industry um, in South Africa at the moment. But yeah, that's what I really think is cool and is coming about. And I'm excited about it. It's going to be really cool once everyone starts understanding influencers. I really can't wait to see where it goes. I think something that I've I think, as I said, I did learn a lot about influence marketing from you. And then I just generally had a fascination with it. But having studied marketing in Paris and now living in South Africa, I think, well, I live in the UK, but being in South Africa now, um, (laughs) I think being able to see a lot of the trends catching on really quickly is really exciting. I think I think one of the most important things for me is seeing people actually being paid for influencing yeah. because uh, I think a few years ago, a lot of people think, how do you get paid to promote a product? And I want to see more people being able to be paid for their passion. I think that that's really mm-hmm. important. And I love what Block 13 is doing. If you had one sentence or one thing that you would tell your younger self before you got to who you were today, what would that be? Honestly, be yourself and follow your passion because, I mean, 
back then, I honestly didn't know that influencer influencer marketing was so diverse. I thought it was just, you know, let me just act in a certain way. Let me post this type of thing, you know, and it really isn't about that. It's really just about being yourself and people like you for the way that you are. That is 100% true. Um, <laughs> where can people check out Block 13 and your page and just get to engage with you? Can you share some of your social media handles? Um, so Block 13 Agency is on Instagram. Um, you can just type in Block 13 Agency and then you'll see us. And you can send us a DM or you can send us an email. Um, my handle is Ashley Edwards. And yeah, you can also... DM me, email me. Um, also, I meet the team is on Block 13 Agency's page. So if you would prefer, if you're a guy and you would prefer to um, DM one of our staff that's a guy, you're more than welcome to do that. So honestly, we are open book. You can literally DM us, email us. Um, you can WhatsApp us, our WhatsApp numbers on, on our page. So it's honestly up to you how you would like to communicate with us. But yeah, definitely check us out and check out our followers and what we do and all of our highlights of all the brands that we've worked with. Thank you so, so much, Ashley. I absolutely love speaking to you. I can't wait to see how block 13 grows i think you guys are already making waves in the south african and international market and we for one appreciate what you guys do for south african creatives south african influencers and people who are passionate about just following whatever their dreams are thank you thank you for having me it was actually really nice speaking about you know about what i do and about block 13 agency and it is a really exciting future and i can't wait for the future yeah i can't wait to see what the local and international future has in hold for us if you love this episode and would love to hear many more episodes like this remember to come back to genfluence share your thoughts and your opinions on influencer marketing on being a ceo at a young age or whatever's on your mind when it comes to intergenerational influence you can find us on instagram our handle is at we are genfluence Please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts if that is your chosen podcast platform. And until next week, guys, I cannot wait to speak to you guys more. I am so happy to be back. So until next time, bye.